الحمد لله رب العالمين له الحمد الحسن والثناء الجميل وشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له يقول الحق وهو يهدي السبيل وأشهد أن سيدنا ونبينا محمد صلى الله عليه وعلى آله وأصحابه والتابعين لهم بإحسان إلى يوم الدين أما بعد إن شاء الله تعالى Today we're going to do a madkhal, an introduction to Sahih Muslim. And the way that I plan to go through it is as follows. This Friday, inshallah ta'ala, I will speak about um, Al-Imam Muslim, his personal life. Siratul Imam Muslim ibn al-Hajjaj al-Shakhsiyyah the personal biography of Imam Muslim. And the way I plan to go through his personal biography is in six steps. So the way I'm going to go and speak about Imam uh, Muslim, rahimahullah, the way I'm going to be speaking about his personal life is in six steps. The first one is, I will speak about Ismuhu, his name, this is all the first one. Ismuhu wa nasabuhu wa nisbatuhu wa kunyatuhu. I'm going to go through his name, his lineage, and his kunya, which we will take inshallah ta'ala what it means. That's the first. The second step that I will do or that I will take in talking about Imam Muslim's personal biography is Baladuhu, the land that Imam Muslim is from. We will talk about that, inshallah ta'ala. Number three, Wiladatuhu, where he was born. Where was Imam Muslim born? We will discuss that bi al kareem. Four, Nash'atuhu wa Usratuhu. His upbringing and his family. Number five, Shama'iluhu. His personal description and how he looked. And number six, Wafatuhu, his death and what caused his death. And when did he die? And how did he die? Those are the six steps that I'm going to take in speaking about Al-Imam Muslim Al-Imam Muslim's personal biography. Then inshallah ta'ala we're going to move on to the second chapter. That was the first chapter. The second chapter that we will go in is Hayatul Imam Muslim Ibn al-Hajjaj al-Ilmiyyah. The second chapter is, I'm going to speak about Imam Muslim's educational background. I'm not going to be focusing on his personal life now. In the second chapter, I'm going to be speaking about his educational background. And I'm going to be speaking about that in seven steps, inshallah ta'ala. The first step is 
talabuhulil hadith he is seeking of the science and the knowledge of hadith in other words how he sought hadith number two rihlatuhu his travelings and where he travelled to and who he met from the ulama every land that he went to that will be the second the third is madhhabuhu fil furu' which madhhab does imam muslim follow from the four madhhabs that are followed is he a hanafi is he a maliki is he a shafi'i or is he a hanbali or is he none of those the fourth inshallah ta'ala under the second chapter is makanatuhu wa thana'ul ulama'i alayhi imam muslim's status and how the scholars praised him number 5 shuyukhul imam muslim al imam muslim's teachers that he took knowledge from number 6 Talamidul Imam Muslim al Imam Muslim students that took knowledge from him that gained knowledge from him and last but not least Mu'allafatul Imam Muslim the books that Imam Muslim authored and that he wrote that's inshallah ta'ala what i hope to go through today and bi idnillah alkarim next friday we will speak about the book sahih muslim and i'll talk about it next friday what and how i'm going to approach that bi idnillah alkarim let me start with the first chapter Siratul Imam Muslim ibn al-Hajjaj al-Shakhsiyyah Imam Muslim's personal life And the first point that we said we're going to speak about is ismuhu wa nasabuhu wa nisbatuhu wa kunyatuhu His name is Al-Imam Muslim Ibn al-Hajjaj Ibn Muslim Ibn Ward Ibn Kawshad Al-Qushayri Abu al-Husayn Al-Naysaburi Al-Khurasani Again He is al-Imam Muslim Ibn al-Hajjaj Ibn Muslim Ibn Ward Ibn Kawshadh Kawshadh Al-Qushayri Abu al-Husayn 
النيسابوري الخراساني the مؤرخون the scholars of history and that talk about biographies they all agreed consents that al-imam muslim rahimahullah is a qushayriyu nasaban that his lineage is from the land or from the people of qushayr and his attribution to the people of bani qushayr and bani qushayr is ihda qaba'il al-arabiyya is one of the Arab tribes. So Muslim is an Arab. And scholars, this is how they attribute him to the tribe. They call him Abu al-Hajjaj, Muslim ibn al-Hajjaj al-Qushayriyu, they say. And they leave it at that. But there are some scholars who said that he is not from Qushayr. Nisbatan. And that's not his lineage. Rather, he is from Qushayr Wala'an. What does Wala'an mean? Back at those days, if somebody took Islam on somebody's hand, somebody brought you into Islam, and you became a Muslim because of him, you would take that person's lineage. And a person who was like that is Al-Imam Al-Bukhari. That's why they say about him, Muhammad ibn Ismail ibn Ibrahim, Ibn al-Mughira, Ibn Bardizba, Al-Ju'fiyu Mawlahum. That's why they say it. He's Ju'fi Wala'an, Imam al-Bukhari. Ju'fi is a tribe of the Arabs. Bukhari wasn't an Arab. Whereas Muslim, he is from the people of Qushayr, Nisbatan, this is his people. And this is what the view of the majority, the overwhelming majority of the ulama hold. That Muslim is a Arab from the people of Bani Qushayr. And this is what Al-Imam Ibn Salah, Ibn Salah, he's from one of the early scholars who wrote in the science of Mustalah al-Hadith. He wasn't the first the first person who wrote in Mustalah al-Hadith is, as a subject that stands by itself, is Ar-Ramahurmuziyu. Ar-Ramahurmuzi, who authored a book called Al-Muhaddith al-Fasil, he is the first person who wrote in the science of Hadith, Mustalah al-Hadith. But Ibn Salah is from the scholars whose book has become appreciated. Scholars appreciated it. And it is the book that Zainuddin al-Iraqi in his Alfiya he uses and he copies. 
He says, فَحَيْثُ جَاءَ الْفِعْلُ وَالضَّمِيرُ لِكُلِّ وَاحِدٍ فَحَيْثُ الْجَاءُ Whenever I come with a ضَمِير, a pronoun, he said, I don't intend إِلَّا بْنَ الصَّلَاحِ except Ibn al-Salah. But when I use it for two people, I mean Bukhari and Muslim. Ibn al-Salah in that book of his, which is called Muqaddimah ibn al-Salah, but the original name is called Ulum al-Hadith. He speaks about the first person who wrote Sahih. The first person who, authentic, who wrote a what? A Hadith book which is Sahih. You all know the first person who wrote a Hadith book was who? Does anyone know? لا. It was way before. Ahmed was before Bukhari. Imam Malik. No. The scholars they say وَأَوَّلُ جَامِعِ الْحَدِيثِ وَالْأَثَرِ Ibn Shihab al-Zuhri Amur al-Lahu Umari. The first person who wrote it was Muhammad ibn Shihab al-Zuhri. He was commanded by Umar ibn Abdul Aziz. Umar ibn Abdul Aziz told him to write. He was the first to write. Ibn Shihab al-Zuhri was the first. Who was the first person? And then after that came once Ibn Shihab al-Zuhri wrote, because Ibn Shihab al-Zuhri is from the teachers of who? Al-Imam Malik. Sahih brothers. And then Imam Malik wrote his Muattah. And then Al-Imam Al-Awza'iyu, Ibn Jurayj, Abdul Razak ibn Hammam al-Sana'ani, Sufyan al-Thawri, Ibn Uyayna. And all of them, they started to write their books of hadith. But who was the first person to write an authentic book of hadith? Authentic book of hadith. And Imam al-Bukhari was. وَأَوَّلُ مَنْ صَنَّفَ فِي الصَّحِيحِ مُحَمَّدٌ وَخُصَّ بِالتَّرْجِيحِ وَمُسْلِمٌ بَعْدُ وَبَعْضُ الْغَرْبِ مَعْ أَبِي عَلِيٍ فَضَّلُوا ذَا لَوْ لَفَعْ وَلَمْ يَعُمَّاهُ وَلَكِنْ قَلَّمَا عند ابن الأخرم منه قد فاتهما ورد لكن قال يحيى البر لم يفت الخمسة إلا النزر وفيه ما فيه لقول الجعف أحفظ منه عشر ألف ألف سو أول من صنف في الصحيح محمد يعني البخاري The first person who wrote an authentic book was الإمام البخاري Who came after? Muslim so this is what Ibn Salah says. Look what he says. Ibn Salah says, أول من صنف الصحيحة البخاري أبو عبد الله. So this is the reason why I'm bringing this. Is look what he says after each person's name. He says, Ibn Salah is saying this. In his kitab, Ulum al-Hadith. He says, أن أول من ألف في الصحيح. The first person who wrote in Sahih is Al-Imam Al-Bukhari. 
Look what he says, Lakin. He says, Awalu man sonnaf al sahiha al Bukhariyu Abu Abdillahi Muhammad ibn Ismail al Jufiyu Mawlahum. This is what we want from it. He says, Bukhari wrote it, whose name is Abu Abdillahi Muhammad ibn Ismail al Jufi Mawlahum. Jufi is what the people is from. It's Nisbah to Wala. Then he says, وَتَلَاهُ And then after him came. And I said it in the Nadm. وَأَوَّلُ مَنْ صَنَّفَ فِي صَحِيهِ مُحَمَّدٌ وَخُصَّ بِتَرْجِيحِ وَمُسْلِمٌ بَعْدُ وَبَعْضُ The first بَعْدُ is بِالدَّال And the next بَعْضُ is بِالضَّاد Is Muslim. Look what he says after that. وَتَلَاهُ أَبُوْ الْحُسَيْنِ مُسْلِمْ إِبْنُ الْحَجَّاجِ النَّيْسَابُورِيُّ الْقُشَيْرِيُّ مِنْ أَنْفُسِهِمْ Why does he say مِنْ أَنْفُسِهِمْ He's trying to refute those who said he's not وَشَيْرِي from that lineage. He says مِنْ أَنْفُسِهِمْ He's from those people. Ibn Salah is trying to prove that he is not نِسْبَةُ وَلَا like Bukhari. He's min anfusihim. Then what we take from this, and the benefit is, Muslim is an Arab. And the, re- the way that we're, tr- we're trying to push that he's an Arab, is not that he is better. As the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said, La fadla li arabiyin ala a'jami illa bittaqwa. Or kama qala alayhi salatu wassalam. The virtue is attached and it's connected to the person's taqwa and piety. But that also doesn't mean that we should strip Muslim from being an Arab. He was an Arab. And the only two from the scholars of the six books of hadith that was an Arab is Imam Muslim. And who knows the next second one? From the six books of hadith. Who were, Mus- who were Arab? Muslim, we, we agreed, we mentioned here. Who else? Huh? Huh? Imam Malik is not from the six books of hadith. Ahmed is not from this. He's, no, he's from the six books of hadith. No, he's not from the six books of hadith. The six books of hadith, Imam Ahmed's Musnad is not in there. The six books of hadith is what? Bukhari Muslim, Abu Dawood, Tirmidhi, Ibn Majah, and Nasai. Those are called Ummahatu Sita, the six mothers. Ahmed is not from the six books of Hadith. Ibn Majala. Yeah? Huh? Not Abu Dawood. Not Nasai. There's, not, there's nothing left except what? The last option. Hey, Tirmidhi, naam. It's Imam Tirmidhi. Those are the only two which are said to be Arabs. Now we learned Al-Imam Muslim's name. وَنَسَبُهُ وَنِسْبَتُهُ وَكُنْيَتُهُ Hey, what's the kunya of Imam Muslim? The kunya means Abu. Hey, what's the kunya of Imam Muslim? Abu Al-Husayn. That's his kunya. What's his name? What's his name? Muslim. What's his father's name? Al-Hajjaj. Granddad. Muslim. Which nasab, I mean, the lineage is he from? The people he's from is what? Bani Qushayr. Very good. 
move on to the second point now. Baladuhu, the land he's from. Al-Imam Muslim is a Khurasaniyu. The land he's from is Khurasan. Khurasan is a city that falls in Naysabur. Naysabur is a, a big region. One of the Medinas that fall in it is Khurasan. This city, Khurasan, was once a city which was known as Al-Marakiz Al-Ilmiyyat Al-Muhimmah. One of the Islamic strongest institutes that it was. Especially, La Siyama Fi Ilm Al-Hadith. Especially in regards to Ilm Al-Hadith. And Imam Al-Dhahabi, when he spoke about He said about Naysabur and Khurasan, he said, Daru Sunnah. It was the Dar of the Sunnah. Ulama came out of it. Fuqaha and Muhaddithin came out from this. Walidalika, Naysabur was a place where people would point towards. They would mention. It'd be mentioned, stuck out for the people. It was one of the places that was written in the ulama's rihalat when they would travel to seek hadith. It was one of the places they would make sure they stop at because of the scholars that were there and because of that, because of the sunnah they held on to. Imam al Hakim al Naysaburiyu, he wrote a book called Tariqu Naysabur. But this kitab is mafqood. We don't know where it is. One of those books that we haven't ever seen. Lidalika Imam Sam'ani mentions it. When he's in his Kitab Al Ansab, he mentions that Al Hakim al Naysaburiyu, he wrote, he wrote a book in regards to Naysabur. And he said, Wakad Jama al Hakimu Tariqa ulamaiha fi thamani fi thamani mujalladati dhahma. He said that Abu, Abu, Abu Abdullah Hakim al Naysaburiyu, he wrote the tariq, the biography of Naysabur in eight volumes, big eight volumes, but it hasn't reached us. But what we do have now is Abu al Hassan Abdul Ghafir al Farisi, rahimahullah. what he did was he chose and picked some of the stories from that book in a very more summarized version and he called it Al-Muntakhab Min As-Siyaqi Li-Tariqi Al-Naysabur So we have the one that is summarized we don't have the original copy we don't have the original one that Al-Hakim Al-Naysaburi wrote and if you look at the amount of scholars which he mentioned in that book and I'm talking about Abu Hassan Abdul Ghafir, Al Farisiyu, who summarized the Tariq of Naysabur. He mentions in there 1,678 individuals in that book. That's the summarized version. Imagine what we could have got from the, the full version if we were to get the version written by Abu Abdullah Hakim Naysaburiyu. <coughs> 
Where does Naysabur fall now? Where is it now? Naysabur right now, it falls 50 miles from a city called Mashhad in Iran right now. And it was a old city. And it was opened, the city of Khurasan and Isabur. It was actually opened, I'm a speci specifically Khurasan. It was actually opened or it was taken by the Muslims from the Persians. The year or the Khilafah of Uthman radiallahu ta'ala anhu. It was taken by Abdullah ibn Amr ibn Quraiz when the year was 29 Hijriah. And some scholars, they say, no, it's when it was on the 31st year of Hijriah. We now move, inshallah ta'ala, to the third point. Wiladatuhu. When was an Imam Muslim born? The scholars, they differed upon the birth of Imam Muslim. And I want to mention a little fa'idah regarding why the scholars differ regarding the birth of scholars. You tend to find these brothers. That scholars, majority of the times, their birth is disputed. But it's rare that their death is, is, is disputed. The reason to this is because a person is unknown when he's born. But they become ulama. People now want to know when they die. It's documented. It is, it is memorized by the people. His death becomes a significant thing to the people. So Imam Muslim, rahimahullah, they disputed his birth. There's agreement on when he died. There's an ittifaq ala salati wa fatihi. But there's a dispute on his birth. And there are four views regarding his birth. Four aqwal. Al-qawlu al-awwal, the first view is, annahu wulida, he was born 201 hijriyah. The second is, he was born 202 hijriyah. And al-qawlu al-thalith, the third view that he was born in the year 204 Hijriah. And the third view, which is 204, is the view taken by Ibn Kathir and Ibn Hajar. Ibn Hajar mentions this in his Kitab al-Tahdib. And others as well. And the fourth view, the fourth statement is, he was born when it was 206. And this is the view taken by Al-Imam Al-Hakim, Al-Nisaburiyu, Ibn Salah, and Imam Al-Nawawi. Which of those views is the strongest? We strengthen the view, the last view. The last view is what we strengthen, which is 206. The reason why we do that is because the three scholars that I mentioned Imam al-Hakim al-Naysaburiyu and also Ibn Salah and also al-Nawawi 
three of them who said he was born 206, they are the ones who worked on Sahih Muslim more than the rest. For example, an Imam Hakim ibn Saburi, he has an explanation, or more like he has a shurut, a condition. On Imam Muslim's works in Bukhari, he called it Al-Mustadrak, Ala Sharti Shaykhain, where he did Istidraq on Bukhari and Muslim, which is that the hadith that Bukhari brought in his Sahih and Muslim brought in his Sahih, any ahadith that were their conditions, but they didn't narrate in their books, he came and he said, You forgot this by the way, you forgot this by the way. To each each scholar. It's called Istidraq. Which we'll speak about when we talk about Sahih Muslim, inshaAllah ta'ala the book. So he's he's a he's he's a scholar in the field of Imam Muslim's work, right? Also Al Imam Nawawi has a sharh on Sahih Muslim. He's called it Al Minhaj. Fi Sharhi Sahih Muslim ibn al Hajjaj. So Nawawi explains Sahih Muslim. So those scholars are more, we give them more priority and their statements because they have what is known as Shiddatu Inayah. They give more importance to the works of Al Imam Muslim. We move on to the fourth point, inshaAllah ta'ala. Nash'atuhu wa usalatuhu. The upbringing and the family and the background of Imam Muslim. نَشَأَ الْإِمَامُ مُسْلِمْ فِي بَيْتِ عِلْمٍ وَجَاهِ Imam Muslim, he was born in a house based on knowledge. This house was a bayt, bayt ilm. And this is something, brothers, we have to realize. That a scholar comes out from a house which is noble. A house where Allah is remembered. As Allah said in the Quran, وَالْبَلَدُ الطَّيِّبُ يَخْرُجُ نَبَاتُهُ بِإِذْنِ رَبِّهِ وَالَّذِي خَبُثَ لَا يَخْرُجُ إِلَّا نَكِدًا The good land produces good crops. The scholars, they come out from a house where the religion of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is being spoken about. The deen is being taught. The religion is vibrating in this house. Allah's religion is being discussed. The parents are seeking knowledge first. They are emerged in the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Somebody like that. A scholar comes out from that household. Allah said to Nabi Musa and Harun, وَجَعَلُوا بُيُوتَكُمْ قِبَلَةً and some of the scholars, they said, وَجَعَلُوا بُيُوتَكُمْ قِبَلَ means a place where Allah is remembered. Qibla is a prayer. وَلِذَلِكَ The men are commanded to pray the salah in where? In the masajid. But where the sunan, the voluntary prayers, where are they told to pray at? Your households. Why? So your household, the remembrance of Allah is there. Your children, they see you praying. If a father has a son, 
he should bring his son to the masjid and allow his son to pray with him and allow his son to indulge in the good that he's doing with him. And that's an Imam Muslim's household. His father, Imam Muslim, he was mutasaddiran li tarbiyatin nasi wa ta'alimin. His father was a person who was, the, who was cultivating the community, educating the community. The student of Imam Muslim said, whose name is Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahhab al Farra, who died the year 200 and 72. 272. Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahhab al Farra, he said, who is a student of Imam Muslim, he said, وَكَانَ أَبُوهُ الْحَجَّاجِ ibn Muslim مِنَ الْمَشْيَخَةِ He said, that the father of Imam Muslim, he's from the Mashiach. Mashiach means a person who has been given a, a title, Shaykh. And at those times, now, mashallah, everyone gets that title, alhamdulillah. It's not hard to be a mufti, huh? And it's not hard to be a what? A Shaykh. No, it's not hard. You just do three months alima course and at the end of that course inshallah ta'ala you're a not a shaykh ya mufti you're mufti diyar you're the mufti of that land but that time to be a shaykh and to get that title mashiach was hard work and effort because the type of people who you had to be in consistent competition with or you had to excel were ulama at that time. So Imam Muslim's father was like that. He was given that title. And without a doubt, the scholars say that the goodness that was in his father and the education that was in his father, it really benefited Muslim. Because the father that's into religion and that fears Allah and is conscious of Allah, he will direct his son towards the deen. Some parents, all they talk to their children about is dunya, money. I left this money behind, invest this money into this company if I die, this and that. Allah says in the Quran, وَمَنْ يَرْغَبُ عَمِّلَّةِ إِبْرَاهِيمَ إِلَّا مَنْ سَفِهَ نَفْسَهِ وَلَقَدْ إِسْطَفَيْنَاهُ فِي الدُّنْيَا وَإِنَّهُ فِي الْآخِرَةِ لَمِنَ الصَّالِحِينَ إِذْ قَالَ لَهُ رَبُّهُ أَسْلِمْ قَالَ أَسْلَمْتُ لِرَبِّ الْعَالَمِينَ وَوَصَّى بِهَا إِبْرَاهِيمُ بَنِيهِ وَيَعْقُوبُ يَا بَنِي إِنَّ اللَّهَ اصْطَفَى لَكُمُ الدِّينَ فَلَا تَمُوتُنَّ إِلَّا وَأَنْتُمْ مُسْلِمُونَ Ibrahim when he was dying وَوَصَّى بِهَا إِبْرَاهِيمُ بَنِيهِ يَا بَنِي My children What did he tell them to do? Be steadfast upon being Muslims And this is what I want you to be He didn't talk to them about dunya he didn't, even Nabiullah Zakaria, when he wanted to have children, what did he say? Yarithuni wa yarithu min ali Yaqub wa ja'alhu rabbi radiyya. Oh Allah, I want my child to inherit from me. Money? Dunya? I want him to inherit from me the religion, the deen, the religion of my forefathers, the religion of Yaqub, Ibrahim, that religion. That's why I want to have a child. A child who remembers Allah and is upright. That's why they wanted to have children. Sah? 
So the person has to become a person who is, gives importance to his children. So a Muslim came out from an environment like this. And the environment, brothers, has an effect on a person. The environment will affect you. It can shape you into being righteous and it can also shape you into becoming evil. The Prophet told us, alayhi salatu wassalam, a person is of the religion of his friend. Look at who you take as a, as a friend. In the environment is something a person befriends. <coughs> I try to look at Imam Muslim's family structure. His brothers, his sisters. There's no one who spoke about this. No one mentioned this. Except one thing that Imam Al-Hakim Al-Nisaburiyu mentioned, which is he said, رَأَيْتُ مِنْ أَعْقَابِهِ مِنْ جِهَةِ الْبَنَاتِ فِي دَارِهِ That Muslims' family seem to be more female. And even himself, they was said, some of the tarajim they mentioned, he only had girls as sisters and had no brother. That's all that Muslim was said about his family. Shama'iluhu, his description and how he looked. And how was he as a person? Imam Muslim, kala ali al hibma. He had high aspiration. He had high aspiration. And lofty aspiration. He had a high goal he wanted to achieve and attain. Kathir al nashat Muslim was very enthusiastic. He had enthusiasm. He was somebody who was very patient. Very, very patient. In what? In attaining knowledge and gaining knowledge. And the evidence for that is, which we're going to touch on later when we speak about his knowledge background and his educational background, how many places he traveled to. Ya ikhwa, his journeys were not business flights or even an economy flight. It was walking. It wasn't take Emirates. Huh? Or British Airways, it was your legs. And the distance that they would cut just so they can combine and compile a hadith. They would walk these ulama sometimes to a city for five, six, even seven months. Even some of them up to a year they would be walking to a city to gather hadith. And when they get there, the imam that they're looking for just passed away, maybe a day or two ago. Some of them would just come to participate in the janazah. After those months of traveling and the ta'ab and the hardship that they would go through, they would come to that place and they would find that the person they came to take that hadith from has passed away and has died. 
he walked from Andalus, modern day Spain. And he never, he said, I never ever went on a riding list. No horse, no camel, never. I walked. And he walked to Baghdad. And who did he meet in Baghdad? Imam Ahl Sunnati Wal Jama'ah. Ahmed ibn Muhammad ibn Hanbal. Imam Ahmed ibn Hanbal. And when he came, what did he find? That Ahmed was in house prison. He wasn't allowed to narrate. And Ahmed rahimahullah, they asked him. They said to Imam Ahmed rahimahullah, when he came to Baghdad, he said to Ahmed, I'm a, I'm, I'm a foreigner here. This is not my land. I came from Andalus. And I came to you. And I want to narrate, narrate hadith from you. I want to take hadith from you. Al-Imam Ahmed said, The leader of the country has prisoned me in my house. I am not allowed to narrate to anybody. He was listening and he was obeying the leader. I'm not allowed to narrate. Sorry, there's nothing I can do for you. He begged Imam, Bukhari, uh, Imam Ahmed, even one hadith a day. Because I, there's, no, there's no reason I'm here except for take from you. So he used to narrate to Imam Ahmed, used to narrate to him one hadith a day. Just one hadith. And Baqiyah, Ibn Makhlad, has the biggest Musnad that was ever written. Even bigger than Imam Ahmed's Musnad. His Musnad, it is the Akbarul Masanid that was written. Except that, except that, it's Mafqood. We don't have it, we lost it. The Musnad of Baqiyat Ibn Makhlad, we lost it. It's the biggest Musnad that was written ever. From one hadith a day, Ikhwah. That's the biggest Musnad. And he walked from Spain to Baghdad. Of course, when he comes to the sea, he's going to take a boat or something. But on the earth, he never took no riding beast. He's saying, I never took a riding beast. And somebody may know that there's a circle, there's an institute he can benefit from, there's a class in which he can go to, there's a dars in which, which he can participate, and look what he does. He's like, Wallahi, it's not for me. I can't do it. He'll say to you, the information that's been given is too much. I am being taught too much stuff. I can't take it in. And that same individual, if you ask him today, What's the stock rate? How much is the percentage? He knows you off the top of his head. Sah? And if they, how to keep up with all of that? And the information behind it. And knowing the stock, ya akhi, is as'ab, is more harder than this information that you're not taking serious, brothers. Wallahi. Yeah, sah? 
Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, what did he say about the disbelievers? يَعْلَمُونَ ظَاهِرًا مِنَ الْحَيَاةِ الدُّنْيَا وَهُمْ عَنِ الْآخِرَةِ هُمْ غَافِلُونَ They know the dunya very well. Hassan al-Basri, he said, rahimahullah, on the commentary of this verse, that if one of them sees gold, he knows the weight of it before he even weighs it. But when you look at his prayer, and the way he prays, and the way his salah is, he does not know anything he's doing here. Isn't that something worrying, brothers? It's worrying. Something very worrying. So what a person should know is to set their priorities straight. And the way to set your priorities straight is learn the fundamentals of your religion. The foundation of your religion, come to study it and And Imam Muslim, rahimahullah, his love for knowledge, his aspiration, inshallah, we're going to see how many places he traveled to. Rather, Imam Muslim, the cause of his death, which we're going to touch on later, was based upon a hadith that was mentioned to him, in which he didn't know it. So then, in more details we're going to know, is because of that hadith affected his life and he died because of it. He died because of that particular hadith which he didn't hear before or that he didn't know. It caused Imam Muslim, it caused him ghamra fikriya. It caused him to die from it. Rahimahullahu ta'ala. And inshallah ta'ala, we're going to speak about that very highly. Imam Muslim, it was said about him, بِأَنَّهُ مَغْتَابَ أَحَدٌ فِي أَحَدًا فِي حَيَاتِهِ He never ever backbited anyone. وَلَا ضَرَبَ وَلَا شَتَمْ He never ever hit anybody, nor did he ever insult anybody. This is was his character. Look at what's said about him here. Maghtaba ahadan fi hayati. He never backbited anyone. Wala daraba. And he never hit anybody. Wala shatama. And he never ever hit, uh, insulted anybody. Wakana imaman thika. He was a reliable imam. Jalil al Qadr. He's honorable, very honorable. من كبار العلماء يتسم بالورع والعبادة. His description was a person of excessive ibadah, a person who which anything that came to him which was doubtful. Muslims' characteristics was he would stay away from it. He was wasi' al-ilm. His knowledge was vast. رحمه الله. And because of that. In the eyes of the people, Muslim became high. His status, it went up in the eyes of the people. Do you know why, brothers? Because something we lack. The knowledge that we have today is knowledge that's on the tongue. Nukul, information. 
That's what we have. But these ulama, they didn't just have the information. It was for them amal, implementation. So this knowledge was qalban wa qaliban. Their hearts, it went in. And from their actions, it was... It was said about Imam al-Bukhari, rahimahullah. He said, مَغْتَبْتُ أَحَدًا I never backbited anyone. بَعْدَمَا عَلِمْتُ أَنَّ الْغِيبَةَ حَرَامٌ When I found out that backbiting is haram. Who can from amongst us say that they do this? Yeah? Very hard. Imam Khatib al-Baghdadi, rahimahullah, he said, Something powerful about Imam Muslim. This shows his bravery, his courage, to stick for the truth, wherever it is. Something happened at the time of Imam Muslim time to him. And that was, Muslim had two teachers. Does anyone know one of his teachers, Imam Muslim? We'll talk about it in more details. Does anyone know the, the, the shayukhs of Imam Muslim? Yeah? Hey, who else? Yeah? Imam al-Bukhari. This is what I want. Brothers, Imam al-Bukhari is the teacher of Imam Muslim. Sah? Imam al Qutri who said, Lawla al-Bukhari ma jaa muslimun wala raah. If it wasn't for Bukhari, Muslim would never have come, nor would he have ever gone. Meaning, Bukhari taught Muslim, educated him. Darakutni said this when people try to compare the two. Why is it that Muslim never ever narrated his Sahih Bukhari? If that's his teacher, was Muslim Bukhari not reliable? Was Bukhari not reliable, yes or no? Of course he is reliable. Why did Muslim not ever narrate from him in his Sahih? Wala riwayah. Hatta wala mu'allakan. And that's his teacher. Question. It's not a rhetorical question. It's a question I want to answer for. Huh? He didn't want to? Al-Imam al-Bukhari. He could have taken other hadiths that he heard from him. There's no need. <coughs> that comes to the concept of did Bukhari narrate all the ahadith which was sahih and is sahih? Did he? Were there ahadith which was sahih in Dal Bukhari? According to Imam al Bukhari, they were sahih, but he didn't bring it in sahih? Yeah. So Muslim could have narrated those ahadith. 
That's why I said to you before, وَأَوَّلُ مَنْ صَنَّفَ فِي الصَّحِيحِ مُحَمَّدٌ وَخُصَّ بِالْتَرْجِيحِ وَمُسْلِمٌ بَعْدُ وَبَعْدُ الْغَرْبِ مَعَ عَبِي عَلِيٍ فَضَّلُوا ذَا لَوْ نَفَعْ وَلَمْ يَعُمَّاهُ وَلَكِنْ قَلَّمَا عند ابن الأخرم منه قد فاتهما ورد لكن قال يحيى البر لم يفت الخمسة إلا النزر وفيهما فيه لقول الجعف أحفظ منه عشر ألف ألف بخاري knew million of narrations he could not have narrated all and there was some a lot of hadith he authenticated Bukhari authenticated this hadith but we don't find it in his sahih صح the reason why Muslim didn't narrate from Bukhari is as follows Muslim had two teachers one of his teachers was Muhammad ibn Yahya al-Dhuhali and the other one was an Imam Al-Bukhari rahimahullah and a fitna erupted between the two of them fitna happened between the two of them these two were two Imams they were two ulama of the Sunnah both of them Muhammad ibn Yahya al-Dhuhali and Al-Imam Al-Bukhari rahimahullah a wrong view was brought to Muslim sorry Muhammad ibn Yahya al-Dhuhali information that was wrong came to him and based on that he judged Bukhari and Imam al-Bukhari got accused of saying that the Quran is created and that's why he wrote the Kitab Khalq Af'al al-Ibad. The first part of the Kitab Khalq Af'al al-Ibad, Imam al-Bukhari, he refutes the Jahmiyyah. And the next part of the Kitab, he speaks about the issue called Af'al al-Abd, the person's actions, the creation's actions. Is it makhluq or is it not? He speaks about it there. And he breaks it down scholastically, Bukhari. And he wrote his Kitab Khalq Af'al al-Ibad before his death three or four years. Imam Muslim, when this problem happened and the uh, issue arose between Muhammad ibn Yahya al-Dhuhali and Imam al-Bukhari, he did not accept this statement against Bukhari. He didn't accept it nor did he criticize his teacher Imam Muhammad ibn Yahya al-Dhuhali the Imam Imam and this is another Imam and they are both contemporaries are you with me brothers? Imam Muhammad ibn Yahya al-Dhuhali even reached a point that some of the ahadith that he narrated from Bukhari Muhammad ibn Yahya al-Dhuhali narrated some ahadith from Bukhari he would do ibham of Bukhari when he narrates them he would say Qala Muhammad سمعت محمد يقول حدثني محمد يعني هي ميز بخاري and the ulama then brought the qa'idat which is the kalam al-aqrani yutwa wa la yurwa that the scholars statements against each other who are leveled is we respect them both we respect them both so here Muslim got tortured not physically but mentally he got hurt by those who wanted him to take a stance regarding Bukhari they harmed him take a position now they said to him and this is what Khatib al-Baghdadi mentioned he said 
وكان مسلم أيضا يناظر عن البخاري حتى أوحش ما بينه وبين محمد بن يحيى الذهلي بسببه that Imam Muslim used to argue for Bukhari praise him honor Bukhari, his teacher and this then caused friction between Al-Imam Muslim and Al-Imam Muhammad ibn Yahya al-Dhuhali rahimahullah this shows you how fair Imam Muslim was how fair as a person he was. He was a just individual. Even that though he knew the criticism was going to come to him hard, he, st he, stood, he held his ground. Not to accept that. Amma as for al-imam Muslims, sifatu al-khalqiyah, the way Allah created, the way he looked, is as follows. Qala al-hakim al-naysaburiyu, he said, سمعت أبي يقول I heard my father say رأيت مسلم ابن الحجاج I saw Imam Muslim ابن الحجاج in خامحشمش it's a place some scholars they say it is خامحمش some say محمش but the correct way is محمش he saw Imam Muslim in this particular place and then he described it to Imam Abdullah Hakim al Nisaburiyu, his son, and he said to him, "Kana tamal qaima." Imam Muslim was a person who was farewell tall in his height, and he was straight. He wasn't a bent person. He didn't have a hunchback. He was straight. Abiyad al Rasi wal Lihya. His beard was white, and his hair was white. Yurhi tarafa. And the way he used to wear his imamah was that it would, he would let it flow from the two sides of his shoulders. That's how he used to do it. Some scholars, they used to do their imamah and they would take it, turn it around their head, right? They would make it, do it like this. He on the other side would let it flow both from the sides. Wafatuhu, his death. توفي الإمام مسلم عشية يوم الأحد. He died the عشية of the day of Sunday, and he was buried straight away in the morning of Monday. Five days was remaining from Rajab. He died the year two hundred and sixty-one Hijriya. رحمه الله. If we look at the Gregorian calendar, meaning this calendar, that, not the Muslim calendar, the Western calendar, it would be 875, the fifth month on the sixth day. How old would he be? 55 years. That's a very young age for Imam Muslim. An Imam like that, he died only 55. And this is the strongest opinion This is the strongest. We've now spoke about Imam Muslim, his personal life. We're now going to go into his knowledge, his education, which is the second chapter. 
we're going to mention six points regarding this, inshallah. The first one is Talabuhu lil hadith, how he sought hadith. Al Imam Muslim, rahimahullah, he went to seek hadith mundu sigarihi ala sibail hadith wa very young age. And my beloved brothers and sisters, al ilmu fi sigari, knowledge when you're young, kan nakshi ala al hajari. It's like carving onto a stone. When you're very young, the knowledge which you attain is like carving into rock. It sticks. And knowledge when you're my age, huh? you're old, is like writing on water. If you write on water, will it stick? <coughs> yeah? It'll go. So the younger you are, brothers, the more you're able to memorize and the more stronger your memory is. And Muslim realized that. So he memorized when he was young. The first time he listened to hadith was when the year was 218. How old would he be? 12 years. How old are you, Abdurrahman? Allahu Akbar. That's it. He was 12 years old when he came to the first Majlisu As-Sima'ah where he came to listen to hadith. And what he did was, Imam Muslim, the scholars of his land, he went and he took their knowledge. This is a sunnah that a person needs to follow. If you have a ulama in a land, don't travel somewhere else first. Take from those people of your land first. Benefit from them. Once you've finished taking knowledge from them, then you need to think about traveling. That's what he did. And he heard many of the narrations of the scholars of his land. From the first person he heard from, the first person he heard from is Yahya ibn Yahya ibn Bukair al-Tamimi, al-Naysaburiyu, who died the year 200 and... 26 Hijriah. He was the first person in which he heard from. And he also heard from Bishr ibn al-Hakam and Naysaburiyu. He heard from him. And he was, his death was 238 Hijriah. Some say, no. 237 Hijriah is a khilaf. And he also heard from the great Imam Ishaq ibn Rahuya. And the correct, or not the correct way, but the best way to say it is Rahuya. Some people they say Ishaq ibn Rahawiya. Ala Sirati Sibawiya, right? But if you say it's Haqq ibn You're following the grammatical analysis. You're following the grammarians. And this field is not the field of the grammarians. So say it how the muhaddithin say it. The scholars of hadith say it. Because it's their field. So it's Haqq ibn 
is how the scholars would say it. Plus, that's how it used to be said. Because he was a Persian. Al Imam Ishaq ibn Rahuya. And Ishaq ibn Rahuya is the person who actually brought the idea to Imam al Bukhari to write his Sahih. You with me, brothers? Ishaq ibn Rahuya was given a lesson, he was teaching. And as he was teaching, he said, if only somebody came and he wrote an authentic book from the ahadith of the Prophet والسلام, and Imam al-Bukhari was listening in the gathering and he was like, okay, you know what, I'm going to take that on board. And I want you brothers to listen to this. The aspiration, and I mentioned this before, that when a person has high aspiration, ya ikhwa, quickly things wake him up and alert him, and he wants to benefit. Muslim Bukhari is in a gathering. He just hears his teacher say, if only somebody wrote an authentic book, and automatically he wanted to write an authentic book, which took him 16 years to author. But he had the idea in one sit. The same is the same story is Al-Imam al-Dhahabi. Al-Imam al-Dhahabi one day was writing. And Imam al-Dhahabi at this particular time, he was into the science of Qiraat and the Quran. That was his field. He has a big, a big book called Ma'rifatul Qura'i al-Kibar. Al-Imam al-Dhahabi. Barzali rahimahullah, Al-Imam al-Barzali rahimahullah, he saw Imam al-Dhahabi writing. He saw him writing. He looked at his writing. And he said to him, your writing is like the writing of the people of Hadith. And Imam al-Dhahabi said, really? He said, yeah. He went and he embarked on learning Hadith. What did he become? Yeah. He became one of the biggest scholars of Hadith. His works... Kitab al Minubala is enough to tell you that. Not to mention his istidraq on Hakim and Nisaburi in his Kitab al Mustadrak and many other hadith books that he worked on. His little Kitab al Muqidah, which is in Mustalah al Hadith, it shows you how he knows the science. Adabi. Just by being told your writing is like the writing of the people of Hadith. A brother today, you say to him, you can study the deen, you can benefit. Not like your writings like the people of hadith. You can be a person of hadith. I see that in you. You've got the brain, you've got the capacity, and you have the ability. And he will say to you, okay, barakallah fi, jazakallah khayyad, make dua for me. Five years, you come back to him. Three years after, you still see him. He is not moved from where he is. Nine to five job, he's still working. He's not moving his knowledge and his brain. Ishaq ibn Rahuya, he died the year 238 Hijriah. All of these people that he heard from, Muslim was very young. He was very, very young. These people were mashallah. And these people were the people of his land. Then he started his journey. After he took from the big people of his land, and these people I mentioned, Yahya ibn Yahya ibn Bukayr al-Tamimi, and then also Bishr ibn al-Hakam and Naysaburiyu and Ishaq ibn Rahuya. These scholars are from the Kibar. 
from the senior scholars of his time. So now he wants to go somewhere else. An Imam with the Habib, he said, When the when it was the twentieth, two years later, when it was two hundred and twenty, Muslim went and he did Hajj. He went to do Hajj, and he met Abdullah ibn Maslamat al-Qa'nabi. Abdullah ibn Maslamat al-Qa'nabi is from the narrators of the Muatta Imam Malik. He took knowledge from Imam Malik. Abdullah ibn Maslamat al-Qa'nabi is from the, elder, the oldest teacher that Muslim ever had. And there is something I want you to remember. Remember this name. Abdullah ibn Maslamah al-Qa'nabi. I want you to keep that name with you. And I want you to keep it. Because something's going to have to talk. I'm going to talk to you about, about this. Something, if this is the, sh this is the oldest teacher he's ever had. Aqdamu lahu. This is the oldest, the seniest shaykh he's ever had. You can imagine the Imam Abdullah ibn Maslamat al-Qa'nabi took knowledge from who? Imam Malik. He's from the Ruwat of Muatta Malik. The, like in the riwayat that is used today, that we use or majority of scholars use, and Ibn Abdul Barr explained, is not the riwayah of Abdullah ibn Maslamat al-Qa'nabi. It is the riwayah of Yahya ibn Yahya al-Layfi. Because that was the last version that Malik ibn Imam Malik authenticated. It's the Ardu al-Akhir, huh? It's the Ardu al-Akhir. Because remember the scholar sometimes, he writes a book of hadith, if the Sheikh Imam is still alive, he'll change it, he'll put things on there, taqdeem, ta'khir. Somebody needs to be the last person to hear it from him before he dies. So the last riwayah that Malik narrated in his Muatta is the riwayah of Yahya ibn Yahya al-Layfi. And that's the one Ibn Abdul Barr rahimahullah explains in his kitab Al-Tamheed and his kitab Al-Istithkar. And it is the riwayah that the scholars generally memorize. And the best tahqiq of Muatta Imam Malik is the tahqiq of Bashar ibn Awad al-Ma'roof. Is the best publication and the best taba'ah is the taba'ah of Bashar ibn Awad al-Ma'roof. That's the best taba'ah and the best copy of it. And Imam al-Dhahabi said, وَحَجَّ سَنَةَ عِشْرِينَ 220 Al-Imam muslim did hajj. فَسَمِعَ مِنَ الْقَعَنَبِي He heard from Abdullah ibn Maslamat al-Qa'anabi وَهُوَ أَقْدَمُ شَيْخٍ لَهُ And this is from the eldest shuyukhs that he had. وَمِنْ إِسْمَعِيلِ ibn Awais And he also heard from who? Ismail ibn Abi Awais وَجَبَاعَةٍ يَسِيرًا and another group of scholars. Then he went back to his country. And remember when you hear that he took from him in Hajj, these scholars, when they went Hajj, because it was long to go to Hajj in the first place, they won't just stay there for two weeks or three weeks, like we do. Their Hajj was minimum six months they will stay after Hajj. Because to get there was Ta'ab. To get to to rejuvenate, to get back the energy. 
it wouldn't be wise to come to do Hajj and leave straight away. They wouldn't do that. They would try to benefit from many things at the same time in Hajj. And one of the benefits that Sheikh Abdul Razak Ibn Abdul Muhsin Al Abad mentioned from the fawaid and the benefits of Hajj is the opportunity to meet many ulama. The scholars that you wanted to travel to, Hajj is the place that brings everybody to you. The people come from all over the world. The scholar that you wanted to take from, who is from India, he's here. The one you wanted to take from Pakistan, he's here for you, alhamdulillah. You don't have to travel to huh? Mumbai huh? or Lahore. He's right here for you in Hajj. The sheikh that you wanted to take from, who's in Riyadh, he's here right now in Hajj. The scholar that you want to take from, who is in Jordan or Egypt or Somalia or whatever, he's here. That's one of the benefits of Hajj. Scholars used to meet each other in Hajj. And the students used to take from them in Hajj. Because it saves these scholars, let alone us, time to travel around the world like that. So that's why you tend to find فَلَقِيَ بِفُلَانٍ فِي حَجِّهِ الْأَوَّلِ That's what they say to you. That he met this person in his first Hajj. And he met this person in his second Hajj. When Imam Muslim on his way back from his Hajj, they wouldn't just go back to where they came from. Again, any path, roads that they can take on the way before they get to their country, they will also benefit from. That would, the route that would, they would take, any ulama of that route they would benefit from. So he went to Kufa and he heard from Ahmed ibn Yunus and he heard from many others. And he stayed there in Kufa for approximately five years. And then he traveled and he left. And so what he did was, an Imam Muslim, rahimahullahu ta'ala, he was excessive in his traveling. Before he came to teach, before he came to benefit the people, he made sure he got, gained enough. So now it's going to take us to the second point of this mabhat, which is Rihlatuhu, his travelings. Al Imam Muslim is considered from who? Min al Rahalin, the scholars who travelled a lot. Al Imam al Nawawi said, "Ahadu a'lam al Aimmati hada shan, wa kibar al Mubarrizin fi, wa ahl al Hifz wal Itqan, wa Rahalin fi talabhi ila Aimmati al Aqtari wal Buldan." He said, he is from one of the A'imatul A'lam, one of the noble, highly graded, ranked scholars in this particular field. And he's from the Kibarul Mubarrizin, the senior scholars who became well known. And he became Ahlul Hifdi Wal Itqan, a person whose memory was sharp and he was precise. Rahimahullah. Ar Rahalina. And he was also well known for traveling the earth. His traveling started to Hijaz. That's where it started in. And it was Mecca where it started. And he did this when he was very young. His age was 14 years, rahimahullah. He did this when year 220. 
after five years, 225, he traveled. As Imam Dhabi said, when it was 225, he met Ali ibn al-Ja'ad. But he never took a hadith from him because of innovation that was in him. He avoided him. And he heard from Imam Ahmad ibn Hanbal. Now, inshallah ta'ala, I'm going to mention the cities or the places that he went to and who he heard from. This is benefits. It's benefits for you. This is one of the most important things that you need to write, brothers. The first one is Makkah al-Mukarramah. Since it was the first place he went to, he heard from in Makkah al-Mukarrama Abdullah ibn Maslamat al-Qa'nabi. And Abdullah ibn Maslamat al-Qa'nabi died when the year was 221. So in other words, after one year of Imam Muslim narrating from him, are you there brothers? After one year, he died. Because when did he meet him? 200 and? 220. He met him 220 and 221, Abdullah ibn Salamat al-Qa'nabi died. Pay attention. And he is from the most seniorest or the old, eldest narrator he had. Now, write this benefit down. If you weren't writing all day, just write this one, inshallah. And that is, Al-Imam Muslim, I told you Abdullah ibn Salamat al-Qa'nabi, Imam Muslim doesn't have thulathiyat in sahih. What does a thulathiyat mean? Thulathiyat means a narration between him and the Prophet is three narrators. Bukhari has that. Even the student of Imam Muslim has it. Tirmidhi. Tirmidhi has a thulathiyat. Who is a student of Imam Muslim? Are you there, brothers? Bukhari has it as well. Muslim did not have no thulathiyat. Thulathiyat means your chain is so short. It's only three narrators between you and the Prophet. This is something that the scholars of hadith used to love. When the hadith is Ali al-Isnad. Basically, it brings you closer to the Prophet. Something they used to travel for. Like for example, if you tell me a, a narration, I'm going, to, I'm going to say to you, who told you? You're going to tell me the person who told me is alive. I can get rid of you. I can go directly to from where you took it from. And they wanted to do that. The longer the narration was, if the person who told this individual is alive, they would travel and not just stick to this person. That's what they would do. Muslim doesn't have to yet in his sahih. He could have though. He could have got it through Abdullah ibn Maslamat al-Qa'nabi. And I want you to take this benefit. <coughs> Abdullah ibn Maslamat al-Qa'nabi, he heard from an individual by the name of Salamat ibn Wardan. Abdullah ibn Maslamat al-Qa'nabi heard from Salamat ibn Wardan. Salamat ibn Wardan al-Laythiyu, his Ahad al-Tabi'in. And if Muslim took that approach, 
he would have had a thulathiyat. Abdullah ibn Salamat al-Qa'nabi is the first person. Salamat ibn al-Wardan is the second person. Because he's a tabi'i. Salamat ibn al-Wardan is a tabi'i. He met sahabas. And then the sahabi. Those three are between him and the Prophet. And then the Prophet. Three. But Muslim didn't. Why? Because Salamat ibn al-Wardan criticism was put towards him. Scholars criticized Salamat ibn Wardan that he was not from min al-jillati thiqat from the great noble scholars and Muslim he in his sahih he wants the best ahadith the most authentic ahadith so when people say to you Sahih Muslim Bukhari they're not authentic you're joking Muslim could have got a thulathiyat. This is a reputation for him. You know, thulathiyat to us may be small, but that time, it was something a person would die for. They used to be pleased to have three narrators between them and the Prophet. It shows they're short. Even till today, the ulama are happy to say, I have one of the shortest chain of narration to the Prophet in this particular hadith, or in this particular ayah, or, yeah, or this particular qira'ah. Huh? That's something scholars are praised with. Sah brothers. But he left it. Diyanatan. Religion. Because of Salamat ibn Wardan, he was. His own student, Tirmidhi, like it has it. Uh, through a senate, which is acceptable, inshallah. This point and this benefit was mentioned by Sakhawi in his kitab, Ghunniyatul Muhtaj. Fi Sahih Muslim ibn al Hajjaj. And just so you all know, all these benefits I've taken from the Kitab Ghunyatul Muhtaj by Sakhawi, who is a student of Ibn Hajar. In Medina, he heard from Ismail ibn Awais, who died in year 226 Hijriya. In Basra, in Basra, he took from Ahmad ibn Salama. who died the year either it's 286 or it's 285 if I'm right Ahmad ibn Salama Baghdad he went there many 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 times because Baghdad was the Markazul Khilafah it was where the Khilafah was placed and it was very civilized Sciences and everything. It was the leading Muslim country in the, at that time. So the scholars used to come to that place, everybody would come there. And at that time, he heard from who? Imam Ahmad ibn Hanbal. And Imam Ahmad died in the year 242. And he also narrated from others. The year that Imam Muslim came to Baghdad was, as I said before, 225. This is the first time he came. This was on his way back from Hajj. And the last time that he came was 259. Baghdad, that was his first and that was his last. He also went to Balkh, Al-Kufa, Misr. He went to Ray, he went to Sham and many other places. Madhabuhu fil furu'. Which madhab does Imam Muslim follow? 
the madhab of Imam Muslim is something that we need to discuss. Many people try to claim him. Some people, they, the Shafi'iyah, they said when they looked at his fiqh, they said he's us. Wallahi, he's us. He can't be anyone other than us. Look at him. Look how he's talking. He's talking like us. Everyone, when the person is noble, everybody likes to claim him. Now it, nowadays it's sad. People claim people who are not even noble. Huh? In the UK, some people, they claim rappers and artists. They say, oh, he's from our country. Huh? We don't, don't, even if he is, don't, 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 we don't want it. We don't want it. Uh, people want to claim him. But Imam Muslim and others who are noble, every madhab claimed him. Every madhab. The Hanaf, they said, it's us. How could he be anybody else? But they're the least in claiming him. Least. Malikiya claimed him. Shafi'iyah, they brought them in his, their tabaqat al-Shafi'iyah, they added him to the list. The Hanabila, they added him to the tabaqat al-Hanabila. This is al-Hanbali. But the truth and the fair position is as follows. And what is apparent, and it's the view of Imam al-Sakhawiyu, and it is also the view of al-Qa'liyu, rahimahullah, and also Shaykh al-Islam Taymi, I'm going to bring Shaykh al-Islam Taymi's speech very well, is that, أَنَّهُ كَانَ عَلَىٰ طَرِيقَةِ الْأَئِمَّةِ He was upon the path of the A'immah who were known as Al-Ahlu Al-Athari, the people of the text. قَالَ اللَّهَ قَالَ الرَّسُولَ And he didn't believe in taqlid, blind following anybody. And he took maslak, the, the path of ikhtiyar. He chose between the opinions, who was right and who was wrong. So he was a what? He was upon the madhab that was known as madhabu ahlil hadith walaysa bimuqallidin. He was not a muqallid of a particular madhab. And he was not a muqallid of any imam particularly. But was imam muslim from the a'immatul mujtahideen? Was muslim min al-mujtahideen? No. Wala huwa min al-a'immatul mujtahideen ala al-itlaq. He was not from the Aymatul Mujtahideen unrestrictedly. He used to choose between the opinions that are already there. He would look at each opinion, who is the strongest to the evidence, and he would take that one. But he wouldn't go to the textual evidence himself and extract his ruling directly from it himself. The Muslim wasn't doing that. And that's what Shaykh al-Islam Ibn Taymiyyah mentioned. Ibn Taymiyyah said, Rahimahullah, when he was asked, somebody said to Ibn Taymiyyah about Imam al-Bukhari and Muslim, and Abu Dawood and Tirmidhi and Nasai. These five. Not so Bukhari, Muslim, Abu Dawood, Tirmidhi and Nasai. These five. Ibn Majah is not in the list. These five. هَلْ كَانَ هَؤُلَاءِ مُجْتَهِدِينَ لَمْ يُقَلِّدُ أَحَدًا مِنَ الْأَئِمَّةِ أَمْ كَانُوا مُقَلِّدِينَ Somebody directed that question at Shaykh al-Islam Taymiyyah. And this is in his Majmu' al-Fatawa. The 20th volume, page 39 to page 40. Ibn Taymiyyah responds. فَأَجَابَ رَحِمَهُ اللَّهِ He said, أَمَّا الْبُخَارِيُّ وَأَبُوْ دَاوُدُ Bukhari and Abu Dawood. فَإِمَامَانِ They are imams. فِي الْفِقْهِ مِنْ أَهْلِ الْإِجْتِهَادِ Bukhari is a mujtahid. Mutlaq. 
Abu Dawood is a mujtahid mutlaq. These two are imamani. They are two imams fil fiqh, he said. Ahlul ijtihad. These two are mujtahidin mutlaq. Shaykh Rasulullah Tahmid says. Wa amma Muslim, as for Muslim. Wa tirmidiyu. Wa nasaiyu. And no one asked Ibn Majah, but he mentions Ibn Taymiyyah. Wa Ibn Majah. He brings it for them. He says, فَهُمْ عَلَى مَذْهَبِ أَهْلِ الْحَدِيثِ لَيْسُوا مُقَلِّدِينَ لِوَاحِدٍ بِعَيْنِهِ مِنَ الْعُلَمَاءِ وَلَا هُمْ مِنَ الْأَيْمَةِ الْمُشْتَهِدِينَ عَلَى الْإِطْلَاقِ بَلْ هُمْ يَمِيلُونَ إِلَى قَوْلِ أَئِمَّةِ الْحَدِيثِ كَالشَّافِعِي وَأَحْمَدْ وَإِسْحَاقُ وَأَبِي عُبَيْدٍ وَأَمْثَالِهِمْ He said that they are أَهْلُ الْحَدِيثِ they do not blind follow any particular person. No. From the ulama. And they don't, and they are not. And they are not from the mujtahideen, unrestricted scholars of ijtihad. They are not. Rather, they are inclined to the statements of the scholars of hadith. They will choose from their views. If they feel Ahmad ibn Hanbal was right in this issue and Shafi'i was wrong, they would take Ahmad's qawl because he's closer to the evidence. And if Shafi'i was right and Malik, uh, Ahmad was wrong, they would take Ahmad. If they felt both of them were wrong and Ishaq was right, they will take Ishaq. They would choose between the opinions that are there, which of them are closest to the evidence. As for them going to the evidence themselves and extracting a delil from it, which is, which is called ijtihad, they weren't the ones who did that. Muslim and Tirmidhi and Ibn Majah and Nasa'i didn't do that. As for Abu Dawood and Bukhari, they were mujtahideen. Bukhari had ijtihadat. If you look at his Sahih, he places abwab, babu, kada wa kada. And that bab is his fiqh. Some scholars, they said, fiqh al-Bukhariyu fi tarajumihi. The fiqh of Bukhariyu is in his chapterings. Abu Dawood, his kitab, his sunan, is considered to be what? One of the biggest books or one of the strongest books in a hadith al-ahkam. The whole book is on fiqh issues. So he's an Imam Mujtahid. And Imam Abu Dawood and Bukhari. As for Imam Muslim and others, they are not from the Mujtahideen that were mutlaq, as Shaykh al-Islam Taymiyyah mentioned. So what would they be? They're not muqallideen. And they are not mujtahideen ala al-itraq. What were they? They were muttabi'een. It's never the level. Ittiba'a. Which is that they follow the haqq and the evidence where it came from. If now, my brothers and sisters, if Muslim, if al-imam al-tirmidhi, Ibn Majah al-Nasai had that piety and that wara' and that diyan and that religion, to not go to the Quran and just extract their own issues and just speak the deen what they wish. And they were respecting the ulama. They were respecting Imam Muhammad's views. And Imam uh, Abu Daw, uh, sorry, Imam uh, Shafi'i's views. Abu Ubaid and others. A young student of knowledge like myself and many like us should fear Allah in the issue of the religion. And coming to the Quran and the Sunnah and just taking things out of it. And saying, this is what Allah and His Messenger intended. We need to fear Allah. 
We need to be conscious of this issue. We're saying Muslim. We're saying Tirmidhi. We're saying Ibn Majah. And Nasai, these people were not doing that. They were not saying Allah Ta'ala and then giving what came out of that. They weren't. If they weren't, then Ya Ikhwatil Kiram, we need to have more taqwa and piety and more where our Arabic is less than them, our memorization of hadith is less than them, our understanding of usul al fiqh and everything is less than them, our time is even way after the Prophet's time. They were more close to the Prophet's time. So this is something that will make you think a lot. Now we move on to the fourth point. How long do you have left? Ten minutes, yeah? We'll do what we can, inshallah. Imam Muslim's position, how the scholar, what did the scholar say about him? And his position as an individual. Imam Muslim ibn al-Hajjaj, he is Ahadu Arkani Ahli al-Hadith. Ilm al-Hadith. He's one of the pillars of the science, Ilm al-Hadith. And he's one of the scholars we say he's a forefront in this particular field of hadith. Allah has raised him subhanahu wa ta'ala darajat, statuses and ranks. His scholars praised him at this time. His teachers praised him and his students and the contemporaries they praised him. Ishaq ibn Mansur al-Kawzaj. Ishaq ibn Mansur al-Kawzaj. He said, لن, لن نعدم الخير ما أبقاك الله للمسلمين. He said to him, we will never be without any good. They will never, we're not going to be a people who don't have good as long as you're with us, Imam Muslim. This is something he is saying. Whilst you're with us, good is going to be with us, inshaAllah ta'ala. This is his own teacher. This is his shaykh. And you have to realize when your shaykh says that about you, it's great. Because your student can be fascinated with you. But when your teacher who taught you, who saw your mistakes, he knows you inside out. If he says this about you, this is a big praise. A very big praise. Abu al-Fadl Ahmed ibn Salamata, who I mentioned before, he said, Ra'aytu Abu Aba Zur'ah. Ahmed ibn Salama said, I saw Abu Zur'ah. Wa Abu Hatim al-Razi. Abu Zur'ah al-Razi and Abu Hatim al-Razi. Just so you know as a side benefit, the word Razi, it is ala al qiyas. It's actually from the land of Ar-Ray. Are you with me, brothers? Ray now falls in the capital of Iran, Tehran. That's where it is, Ar-Ray. It, sh- it should have been Ar-Rayu, something like that, right? But this is ala al qiyas. Meaning, there's people saying like that. Ar-Razi, so scholars took it just like that. Razi is from Ar-Ray. Abu Zur'at Ar-Raziyu. 
and Abu Hatim al-Razi, these two great scholars of hadith, both of them. يُقَدِّمَانِ مُسْلِمَ بْنِ الْحَجَّاجِ فِي مَعْرِفَةِ الصَّحِيحِ عَلَى مَشَايِخِ عَصْرِهِمَا Wow! Abu Hatim and Abu Zura'a, they both used to place forward Muslim in the knowledge of hadith than every one of his time. Now, what you need to realize is that Abu Hatim al-Razi, when the scholars, they grade the scholars, scholars are graded. There are scholars that are called the mutashadideen. They were very harsh in their praise. They were more of a criticizers. And there were some who were called the mutawasitin. And there were some who were called mutasahilin. If I give you one of each level, from the scholars who were considered from the mutashadideen was Abu Hatim al-Razi. Abu Hatim al-Razi criticized everybody. It was rare he praised anybody. He's been a mutashadideen. Al-Imam al-Bukhari is from the mutawasitin. It's fair. He gave credit where it was due. From the Mutasahilin is Ibn Hibban, Abu Abu Haki, Abu Abdullah Hakim and Isaburiu. They're from the Mutasahilin. Abu Ibn Hibban, he is Mutasahil and he's also Mutashadid. <laughs> they say he's Mutasahil in his Tawthiq, he's Mutashadid in his Jarh. And I like a bath that a Sheikh Abdul Rahman Yahya Al Mu'allimi did in his kitab Tankir Bima Fi Tani Bil Kotari Min Al Abatil. Two volume kitab. He speaks very well of Ibn Hibban and the issues pertaining to Ibn Hibban. Very beneficial mabhath. If you read from the kitab Tankil by the Al Asr Abdul Rahman Yahya Al Mu'allimi. So the reason I'm saying this is because Abu Hatim al Razi praising Muslim from the mutashadideen that's something wow Allahu Akbar he didn't just praise him he put him forward he said yo your brothers it's a lot of it's a big weight Abu Zur'at al-Razi also is from the great scholars of hadith and this my brothers is that if you know Jarh wa Ta'adil that takes place in books of hadith this is this is a shahada azimah from his own teachers Abu Zur'at al-Razi and Abu Hatim al-Razi are both his shiyukhs. They're his teachers. Are you there, brothers? Abu Zur'a and Abu Hatim al-Razi, they used to go and revise with who? Ahmed ibn Hanbal. Abu Zur'at al-Razi, they, he said, Ahmed memorized a million hadith. Alf alf means million. They said to him, how do you know? He said, raja'tu yawman. One day, Imam and Imam Muhammad sat down and revised. Uh, revised, Ahmed and I. Ya Ikhwah is not, they're reading from books. <laughs> Allahu Akbar. Ya Ikhwah is not reading from a book or looking at notes or <laughs> an iPad. Everything is in their heads. Each man is narrating the hadith with his chain, with the riwat, riwat, with the different wordings. And the other one, just like we do Quran together, they were doing like that with hadith. And he said, I saw Ahmed rahimahullah had memorized million hadith. And you find a small student of knowledge say Ahmed was wrong on this issue. Ya akhi, you have to be. Not that I'm saying Ahmed is infallible, but when you say that, you should realize, do go back on the issue, check, verify. These men were Jabalun Asham, mountain, rock solid mountain. It's not light. 
million narrations from the top of your head. Different turuq, different riwayat, different wordings. This is what they had in their heads for us. They are basically the Google of their time. The hadith was istihdar quickly when they needed it. Yeah? When I say Google, I mean the benefits of Google. Just the good hadith that it's, the search engine has. They had it like that. Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab al-Farra, he said about Imam Muslim, كان مسلم ابن الحجاج من علماء الناس وأوعية العلم ما علمته إلا خيرا. He said about him, and Imam Muslim al-Hajjaj is from the ulama of the people. أوعية العلم he's a vessel, a utensil that holds knowledge for the people. He's holding it, he's keeping it for the people. ما علمته I never knew him إلا خيرا a person of خير. Abu Quraysh, who was a hafiz, he narrates from Muhammad ibn Bashar, Muhammad ibn Bashar, that he said, Hufadi dunya arba'ah, that this people, Hufadi dunya, this Hufad of the dunya, this world, are Abu Zur'ah bin Ray. The first one is Abu Zur'ah in Ray. وَمُسْلِمٌ بِالنَّيْسَابُرِ An Imam Muslim in Naysabur. وَعَبْدُ الدَّارِمِيُّ بِالسَّمَرْقَنْدِ And an Imam Darimi who is from Samarkand. وَمُحَمَّدِ ibn إِسْمَعِيلَ بِبُخَارَى And an Imam Al-Bukhariyu who is from Bukhara, Bukhara, Uzbekistan. Bukhari is today Uzbekistan. These are the Hufad of this dunya. Abu Zur'at al-Razi, Abu Hussein Muslim ibn Hajjaj, Abdullah al-Darimi, the author of the Musnad and the Sunan. And the fourth one is Muhammad ibn Ismail al-Bukhari, rahimahullah ta'ala. Who is this person? Muhammad ibn Bashar ibn Bandar. He was from the who? Min Shuyukh Imam Muslim. I'm bringing only the teachers of his. Had a shaykhu. It's his teacher he took from. And Imam Muslim used to be so happy to take narrations from Muhammad ibn Bashar. He used to say, Muhammad ibn Bashar, I narrated from him. And this is what his teacher says about him. For last statement, inshallah ta'ala, that I'm going to bring. I have over 30 praises, but I'll mention this one. Abu Abdullah Muhammad ibn Ya'qub. Al-Akhram. He said, إِنَّمَا أَخْرَجَتْ نَيْسَابُورْ ثَلَاثَةَ رِجَالِ Naysabur, it brought out three men. Three men came out of Naysabur. Muhammad ibn Yahya al-Zuhali. Meaning, men here means ulama al-Zad. The first one is Muhammad ibn Yahya al-Zuhali. And I mentioned it before, right? وَمُسْلِمِ ibn al-Hajjaj al-Naysaburi وَإِبْرَاهِيمِ ibn Abi Talib And who? Ibrahim ibn Abi Talib And the reason why he didn't mention Al-Imam al-Bukhariyu is something we can talk about another time and another place Due to the time I wasn't able to finish this Inshallah ta'ala I'll try to finish it off 
next Friday when I talk about a bit about the Sahih of Imam Muslim. Anything I said that was wrong or incorrect while I was speaking, is for me and Shaytan and Allah and His Messenger are free from it. Subhanakallahumma bihamdik. Ashadu an la ilaha illallah. Astaghfiruka wa atubu ilayh.